1: Well, it's been a little longer time coming, we think, we, we got to do this quarterly. There's too many of these, Rebecca. Rebecca doesn't even know how many there are, and <laughs> I'm already <laughs> buttering her up to tell her we got to do this quarterly, because there's so many. I'm so another excited. another edition of Deals, 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 um, in which I have collected deals announcements for books coming out I guess the earliest ones will be released this fall, but all the way into 2022 books that have been announced as being acquired Um, in this document. The books we're going to talk about today are only books that have been announced since May. So I had to jettison all my January, February, March, and April selections just because they've gotten a little long in the tooth, but we still got plenty of them to talk about here. And what I've done is I put them into categories and I'm going to have Rebecca do the category order she wants to do. Um, Rebecca, do you want to read what the categories are before yes. we get to so people know what to expect?
0: I do. I'm so delighted. So these are the categories. Debut Fiction, Black Lives Matter and the Movement, COVID, A History of X in N Things, How Boring is Too Boring, <laughs> with like seven O's, <laughs> Big Deals, Just for Jeff, Just for Rebecca, Shared Wheelhouse, and Say What Now?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um only one category only has one title um i can i'll say a little bit more about the categories as we get into them um i also wanted maybe a couple of thoughts about looking at the deals altogether again last night and some of the other ones i jettisoned to, to do a little maybe trend hunting trend spotting mm. in the mm-hmm. deals uh, on a MetaSense. but before we do that uh, let's take our first sponsor break i mean two of the trends are going to show up in the categories here one obviously is covid um, the books are starting to get announced. Um, some have already, I mean, I guess A.D. Smith was the first one that you and I have talked about mm-hmm. together. I don't know if there's been other ones directly about it, but we're starting to get some of the heavier hitter kind of book situations. Um, and as I reveal the titles I picked, I, you'll, you'll hear why. So that's one, clearly, Black Lives Matter is in the movement. A lot of those books are getting signed. A, I think because it's happening. It's historically topical and important. But also, I think it's a way of a bunch of publishers looking around at their list and saying, boy, we could use some more voices Mm -hmm. of color and black people on our list. So it it does both of those things at the same time. There's a lot of books getting picked up there. Both for the COVID and the Black Lives Matter, the movement categories, I had to not pick a whole bunch of them. Um, So those are definitely trends that are represented here we're going to see going forward i you know covid is it going to be like world war ii for book generation it probably will be you know it's going to be an enormous topic for a long time to come um in the first wave of i don't i don't want to throw any shade by saying serious but like more traditionally kinds of historical books are going to start coming out of this here pretty quick a couple of other um uh, a couple of other observations. One is witches continue to be huge. So many, so many, and you're going to hear about a couple of them a different contexts here. But like witches doing X and Y to Z is like a thing that's going to be happening for a long time um, across genre. There's YA. There's hmm. there's mystery. There's romance. It's it's really the witch. The witch knows no borders now. Um, the broom <laughs> carries it across all all parts of the bookstore. So that one was pretty amazing. And I, two, two that I shouldn't be surprised, but I just hadn't thought of these contexts, a lot of comps to Educated, a lot of oh, memoir yeah. comps to Educated, of course, that book continues mm-hmm. to sell. It's a modern memoir classic, so sort of on the lines of a bastard out of Carolina or something like that. Um, and then the other comp I'm seeing a lot of, you would guess this, probably because you're smarter than I am, but if you thought about it, Where the Crawdads Sing.
0: A lot oh, of comps uh-huh. of
1: Crawdads sing. So there's a young woman who is stranded in various ways in different parts of the country, and it's sort of agrarian-based, and there's some kind of connection to nature, but also <laughs> they're interesting and good-looking and smart and plucky and something like that. So there's several titles that's like, you're going to see the uh, Where the Crawdads Sing for East Texas, Where the Crawdads Sing for Maine, Where the Crawdads oh. Sing for uh, Baja, Mexico. Um, that's You're going to see that come out. I don't know. I don't know that anyone who reads where the crawdads things are going to go pick that up, but people are trying it, and why not, right? If you're going to try a debut author or something you haven't picked up before, maybe you can you can get the secondary lightning uh, show yeah, title. Yeah, I mean um, from crawdads.
0: <laughs> if you can't hitch your wagon to like the best selling commercial fiction title of the last several years, right. you know you're just missing the opportunity there. It's, I'm, I'm going to be interested in how actually similar to the (laughs) to the original those Mm -hmm. comps are the further out a title like that gets the faster and looser people tend to play with like it's the next gone girl like really i've been reading the next gone girl for 15 years now um right yeah well that's interesting okay i'm glad that none of those are actual well no i'm glad that that's not a subcategory here on no that's no fun for us i'd mention it but i don't want to i would have i would have chosen a subcategory just for witches doing things (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty good, too. Uh, Another trend that fall into the sun rises in the east is... <laughs> um, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, Jane Austen spinoff stuff. Oh, uh-huh. You know, Pride and Prejudice for X is definitely a thing. Um, you know, a modern retelling of X. What if pri- Jane Austen was a witch? Actually, that would sell. We should write that. <laughs> we get in advance for that right now. Um, and the other one is, you know, Nazis continue to move books it's amazing how mm-hmm. how many of world war Two. i mean i know this i've said myself that world war Two is like the trojan war for our set of centuries i think in terms of the story generation over time like you know it generated stories for the greeks and romans mm-hmm. all the way up until the present day the trojan war and we're just going to see that but like spies and nazis and you know jews escaping and pearl harbor and japan and war brides and cons like it just continues to be uh, a narrative machine. And it's only, I think, when I look at a whole bunch of books that aren't out yet all at once that you meet, that I really see those two things over and over again. A lot less Sherlock Holmes derivative stuff than I sometimes see in these batches. Okay. And again, I'm, I have to say, I probably looked at a thousand plus book deal announcements. So I'm looking at a big data set. I'm not coding them or anything like that, but like <laughs> really interesting to see. Um, that happened there okay so those are my my caveat thoughts all any right. questions any any comments on that before we actually get into the, the categories here
0: no i have a technical question about the logistics yes. of the game here sure are we, yes am i to pick a category and then we exhaust all the deals in that category or is this like jeopardy I, where i can move i think
1: we them? need to do the whole category at once Just i don't have it set up to know which ones i've done and come back and forth okay. maybe in a future iteration when i have a smaller data set we could uh we could do bingo, Jeopardy. Um, yeah. which we should pitch that. How to boring is too Tell boring me.
0: for four hundred dollars?
1: Yeah, right. So where do you where do you want to... Do you want, Do you need an explanation of what any of the categories are? Maybe oh, I feel like
0: thing. I know what these are. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, so the debut fiction one, I, I'll say something about that. And we could even start there if you want. Yeah, like, let's start. There. There's so much. There's so much fiction. And so many of it, authors have a second or third book they don't know anything about. It's hard to separate them out. So I try to focus the fiction ones that look interesting to me on debut authors just to give them a little extra shine. Because you need a little extra shine if you're a debut author, if you get me. These are not the only interesting fiction titles um, that I saw. But if I'm going to only have, you know, five or six books from authors I don't know already, let's, let's give them to the, the first, their first uh, uh, swing at the plate, if that makes yeah. sense.
0: I'm into it. Let's start with debut fiction.
1: All right, here we go. Um, these are—I didn't actually order them within the category according to any particular shape or crescendo. There are f- six titles here, so I going to, have to blow through them pretty quick. Okay. Um, let's start with a known um, quantity, at least. In I, I think I DM this to Amanda as soon as I saw this. So this is Nicole Johnson's *My Monticello*. A mix of thematically linked short stories all set in Virginia and a novella set in the near future in which a diverse group of Charlottesville neighbors fling white supremacist state claim to Thomas Jefferson's historic plantation home led by an imagined young black descendant of Jefferson and Sally Hemings. That's going to be coming out from Holt in a two-book deal. So that's My Monticello from Nicole Johnson. What do you think about that one?
0: I am surprised that Amanda did not explode into just a <laughs> cloud of <laughs> anticipatory joy. <laughs> I was
1: like, Amanda, do you have a pen name n- named Nicole Johnson? You about so, this
0: is what Amanda's been doing at night for the last couple of years is secretly yeah. writing a novel that imagines the overthrowing of white supremacy at Monticello.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and we shall have our stand at Thomas Jefferson's. Monticello. I love uh, that
0: concept. And I think if it's executed, well, that will be really fun to read.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I saw and I don't know, I hope I hope these are publishers doing it of their own accord. And if they're not, I or I mean, they're doing it of their accord anyway, but um, I think we might again, there's enough and it's hard to see sometimes I'm seeing um, patterns in the ink blot because I want them to be there. I feel like there might be some effort to Add to the discourse that uh, American Dirt Kool-Aid manned itself into Mm. around migrations, emigrations, borders, crossing. So let me give you one of those. Okay. Um, This is a country you can leave. A coming-of-age story set in the California desert, an intimate portrait of a black, biracial daughter and her unforgettable mother, a white Russian immigrant, as they journey from homelessness while reckoning with the beauty and dangers of womanhood in a multiracial America. So this isn't immigration from central and south america but looking more complexly um at this kind of issue the author and activist aseli angel Anjani is the name of the author here and that's a country you can leave i thought that was pretty interesting also that's going to msd fsg which is kind of their experimental imprint over at fsg so i find that one um really really fascinating to look
0: at great title
1: um, are you, you're an Ocean's Eleven person, right? Do I remember I'm, this right? You like oh, Ocean's I Eleven? love
0: a heist. There's, I've you never love a met heist. a heist story I didn't love.
1: Yeah. So this one could have gone into Rebecca because I know you like a heist story, but it's also debut. So I put it here. Okay. It's called Queen of Thieves. It's a novel. Um, the author's name is Aaron Bledsoe. It's pitched as a gender bent, peaky blinders meets Ocean's Eight about <laughs> London's first female gang. Into a group of it, high-stakes shoplifters <laughs> who robbed the city's classiest department stores in the 1920s, and the woman who comes to rule it.
0: Oh my gosh! That? Yes, this is <laughs> and like now I know what to go for, uh, go as for Halloween in like 2022. <laughs>
1: yes, right. That's the Queen of Thieves by Aaron Bledsoe. Um, no, no date on that. Sometimes you get these, sometimes you don't. For when these announcements, I thought that sounded particularly good.
0: Can that? Um, let's just let's light go. a candle for that to get a an adaptation, please.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and that's going to be at Blackstone. So you know it's going to be on audio, but Blackstone Mm. uh, is there. So that one's cool. Uh, This one, you know, you and I aren't huge sci-fi fantasy people by themselves, so I need a... I don't know, I need a little hook to find out here, but I know you like a heist. I like a... um, I like a exploration thing. The other thing that mm-hmm. is catching here is this could have gone into the major deals section because the language here is that there's a significant... Oh, it says seven figures, so I wanted to Ooh. put it here. So one of these rare seven figures for a debut author, um, the author's name is Ayana Gray, and the name of the book is Beasts of Prey, and it follows two black teenagers who must trek into a magical jungle to take down an ancient creature that has been menacing their city before they become the hunted, um, and that's going to Putnam Children's... And it's going to be published in two years. Well, I guess a year and a half now in spring it's going, 2022.
0: It's going to a children's imprint for seven figures.
1: It must be YA, right? It must be <laughs> like, you know, like most of these children's yeah. also do YA. They put them all in the same group, but that's a big deal. That's, that's a huge a deal. big
0: deal. And that sounds great.
1: Yeah. Did I say it's a three book deal? So I assume it's the oh, beginning no, of the trilogy. Still. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Still. Still. So Iana Gray's The Beasts of Prey. As always... Um, I will make sure the links are in the show notes. Uh, Actually, I don't know if any of you can have links. I'll have the titles and authors, but a lot of things won't actually have links at this point, especially something that's two years away. But that might be one of the big books of 2022, a Mm seven-figure deal for three books coming from Putnam. That sounds like it's going to be fun. Um, This one I found really interesting, too. I always like when playwrights and poets turn their eyes to prose, um, Mm. you know, fiction novels and short Mm -hmm. stories. So this one is playwright Kia Cothran's The Moon and the Stars following a girl of African American and Irish parentage coming of age in the five-point slum of New York City set during the turbulent years leading up to and into the Civil War. So like think Gangs of New York if the protagonist was sort of a biracial um, girl growing up okay. in that particular town. Sounds really interesting to me. Yeah, that cool. also apparently got some money for that one. I can throw that. I can uh, put that birdie um, into nice. the, into the air there as well. Um, but, 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 but last one here. Um, you and I like people that mess with you know near current technology, building in technologies yes. and current technologies, and maybe like near future technologies. Mm-hmm. So this book is called The Verifiers. Um, the name of the author is Jane Peck who is also a law school graduate, which is interesting. Okay. It examines how today's technology shapes our choices and introduces an overimaginative reader of mystery novels who lands her dream job at an online dating detective agency, that's in quotes, <laughs> then finds herself solving a real-life murder with a sinister societal implications while keeping the fact <laughs> that she dates girls from her matchmaking mother.
0: What is an online dating detective agency? <laughs> I don't know, but that's all I needed. Yes yes, all I'm needed. all the way in on that. that sounds like fun.
1: <laughs> I feel like I hope there's a little bit of a little bit of Don Quixote of like likes mystery <laughs> novels so much that she kind of wants it to be a mystery and maybe it is or maybe it isn't um, so that's really interesting too. That's coming out from vintage The verifiers. Um, also. A, I know enough now that when I see a particular agent, I get interested. Like that's how okay. deep down the wheel. This is yep. Julie Bearer. Oh yeah, um, uh-huh. one of the few agents you and I both know. Um, she does not play. <laughs> she don't. She don't play. She don't. She don't need to play.
0: No, she has great taste, and I mean, like by oh, great, I mean it sells very well and also closely aligns with what I like to read. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, she signed yeah. Colson Whitehead. What else do I need to tell you? I Married him too, but that's a secondary uh, consideration. <laughs> Uh, really good taste, I guess, if you look at it that way. <laughs> so, that is debut fiction, A Country You Can Leave by Ansale, okay. Angel Angel Anjani, Bledsoe's Queen of Thieves, Gray's Beasts of Prey, Cothran's The Moon and the Stars, Peck's The Verifiers, and then Nicole Johnson's My Monticello. If you have to pick one, Rebecca, which is oh. the most interesting to
0: you? Man, Queen of Thieves, I think. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, I thought so. I thought that <laughs> might be the most interesting to you. That
0: sounds great. It, it Sounds does. like a lot of fun. Like 1920s era lady heist? Yes, please. It's
1: great. Great. Okay. Um, let's do a sponsor break, and then we'll come back. Okay. Where do you want to go next?
0: Let's go to... Let's go to Big Deals.
1: Big Deals. So this is a catch-all... Or things that I know got a fairly sizable advance, things I think will have a moment for a variety of reasons, probably also got advanced, or I don't know that I think will just be a book people are interested generally talking about. So it's a catch-all for it's not just idiosyncratic interest, I think um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. could be a thing that some, some people read. I'm going to start with the biggest of big deals. And I'm not sure it's going to be the biggest seller. I don't know that it got the biggest advance, but it's been a while, and I think it's been since 1998, that a Nobel Prize winning novelist who writes primarily in English has released a new novel. I think the last one was Toni Morrison's Paradise in 1998 was the last time that an English first writer released a new novel. Oh, Alice there Toni Morrison
0: novels after that.
1: Yeah, I know, but like, but that to have a first novel after winning the Nobel Prize, you see, I mean, oh, like you won the Nobel the first and you one have after a new. This Nobel. is okay, the okay. first time, yeah, yes. the first time you have the sticker saying "winner of the Nobel Prize" with a new you know, hardcover in a novel. Because um, Alice Munro won, but I don't think yeah. she had new material come out, and she doesn't write novels, so it couldn't even right. be that. So Kazuo Ishiguro's *Clara and the Sun* coming <gasps> in March of twenty twenty-one. I didn't um, know there
0: was a new Ishiguro.
1: I know. And it sounds like classic Ishiguro. Here we go. The story of an artificial friend with outstanding observational qualities who, from her place in the store, watches carefully the behavior of those who come in to browse and of those who pass in the streets outside. And she remains hopeful of a customer will so tune her. What if your dog was a robot in a pound <laughs> written by Kazu Ishiguro Rebecca Shinsky? Come on, let's go.
0: Do we even need to continue with this category?
1: <laughs> we didn't need to. We don't need to.
0: Let's go. That's amazing. That's amazing. Sounds
1: all, great, just, doesn't
0: it? That does sound great. I'm all the way in. Ishiguro does like the exact blend of weird and literary yes. and believable and creepy that I like. That's yeah. exactly what I love. And it leaves you thinking about it forever. It's
1: like fable, mir- it's not so specific and detailed that it, it still can be sort of myth like. It should grow, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's a, it's remarkable stuff. I was really excited to see this and it's the kind of like, you know, you could probably do like a Mad Lib generator of like Ishiguro like potential, you know, <laughs> yeah, subject lines, but this is one of them, but you know what? I'm not mad. This is what I want. If you got yeah. a fastball throw the fastball.
0: I'm not mad either, and I do think Ishiguro is one of those writers that can show up in the category of like every book is different, but there are yeah, still these yeah. like you can never you can't point. quite you can't ever predict what the next Ishiguro is going to be, and there's so much mm-hmm. distance between like Remains of the Day and Never Let Me Go. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that it's, it's hard to believe right. the same writer did them, um, but this sounds like something. I have just like utter faith in Ishiguro, whatever he wants to do, and this sounds so good.
1: There will be people watching other people in Ishiguro. That I know. That, that's yeah. all. <laughs> people <laughs> quietly studying each other is an Ishiguro uh, through line. Um, let's go, let's move on. Um, John Meacham, the biographer, mm-hmm. a Pulitzer Prize-winning biographer, His Truth is Marching On, John Lewis and The Power of Hope, A portrait of the life of civil rights hero and longtime U.S. congressman, you know, a biography uh, coming this fall from Random House. Again, I don't say anything else about it. I don't know if this was going to come, if they've moved this up because of John Lewis's passing or they moved it back or whatever, if it was going to come no matter what. Um, I'm a little sad that Lewis, Mm -hmm. well, of course I'm sad that he's gone. I'm glad we're getting the book. It would be great if Meacham and Lewis were going around together to talk about his life and work in this kind of context. But. The book is coming, and that's going to be a bit... You know, I don't know if how it's going to sell, but this is a big deal book for posterity, really, that we need these mm-hmm. documents um, of these singular people. Um, this one, is, a, is the, the, the language used was in a major deal, which is six figures plus. I have Spidey Sense. This is the kind of thing that would make a great movie or miniseries. This is in the biography category. Um, Verge.com senior reporter. Lauren mm-hmm. Grush's the six... A biographical narrative, pitched in the vein of Hidden Figures and Code Girls, focused on the six women chosen from 8,000 applicants to be America's first female astronaut, and the <gasps> challenges they faced in their quest to fly on the space shuttle. That's coming yep. from Scribner. It was at auction, sold for a lot of money. You can, you see what I'm getting at here? This yep. this could be this is going to be the the deal rights. If I miss them, they probably have come out already. Um, I would watch the heck out of the, mm-hmm. the biopic. Um, Apple. TV Plus, bonus, platinum, extreme package, wherever this is going to be. I will listen to this on audio a thousand percent. Um yep. really looking forward to that one. That's awesome. Um, let's see. This one, I think, could have... Do you like scary movies? I can't remember this about
0: you. It depends. I don't know. The older I get, the less I do. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm open to it. <laughs> depends on the this flavor one pr- of scary.
1: This one, apparently, a lot of money got... Changed hands for it. I also think the pitch makes a lot of sense. Bethany Murrow, who's a name I know before. Um, I'm sorry, this is a novel. Mm. It's pitched as Get Out meets My Sister the Serial Killer. Oh, When a calculating okay. young black girl manipulates her way into the lives of her black best friend's white adopted family. She begins to suspect she may not be the only one invested in engineering a place in the affluent household. And someone else's motives may be more disturbing than her own. That's a major deal um, bought by Harper. It sounds a little bit more to me like maybe Parasite meets my sister, the serial mm, killer. You could pitch mm-hmm. it that way, Get Out. I haven't seen Get Out because I, I'm afraid. I'm, I'm <laughs> terrified of <laughs> you being know, terrified.
0: It's, it's funny. Get Out and Parasite are the only two like horror movies that I've watched in the last five years. So this, I this did watch like Parasite.
1: It's... I really liked Parasite, but I had some tough moments with it.
0: But oh, uh, yeah, yeah. It sounds like this is right in my wheelhouse. What's the title again?
1: A Cherish Farah*. F-A-R-R-A-H, by Bethany, okay. Bethany Morrow.
0: That sounds awesome. Uh,
1: I think that sounds really great. This is a a, a book write, favorite writer, um, uh, Erica Sanchez. She wrote mm. the National Book Award finalist, um, I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. This is a memoir and essays, which, hello, pitched as in the tradition of Samantha Irby, Jill, Gia Tolentino, and Sandra Cisneros, exploring desire and disappointment, mental health, the limits of feminism, and how to construct a sense of self amidst powerful cultural forces that's viking in a major deal um so glad to see she's getting a chance to move on from writing a really great novel to a really great memoir about topics that really need Mm -hmm. um people like her to talk about them i'm really excited for this um no date right now but she got some money good for you erica sanchez
0: yeah i will look forward to that on audio for sure right i don't
1: know that this next name I, i feel like it He's a big deal in the YA and kids world. Um, and when you try to cross over into the adult world, it can go a variety of ways, but I think it's one to watch. It's definitely make, it definitely, for me, qualifies as a, major, as a big deal. That's why I put it here. Jason Reynolds' debuted adult novel, oh. um, The Mouthless God and Jesus Number 2, which tells the story of a boy who was born without a mouth and comes of age in a carnival town <laughs> where the power of storytelling can equally sustain or harm. Scribner, coming out in 2022 like some magical realism i feel like coming out here which i don't think is reynolds's um mo generally speaking it's been a while since i've read it i read some of the early ones but i think it's been a while but fascinating what an unbelievable title the mouthless god and jesus number two (laughs) either either side of that coordinating conjunction could be a title by itself (laughs) Um, but that's it. He's a big deal in YA.
0: Yeah,
1: be interesting if he can be. You know, what kind of success he'll have writing for adults, and why why not make this a YA novel? Like just from the, mm, I'd be mm-hmm. fascinated to hear him talk about it. What what he's trying to do here that um, makes YA kind of the wrong uh, vector of, of approach here. So there's Immediate,
0: that it's yeah sounds like it has some like you know r-rated potential or that could just be like the scar yeah. that i have left over from um, the last <laughs> book about like carnival life what was
1: that listen if as, as far as i'm concerned carnival carnival novels should be their own <laughs> genre like they should a big red warning sticker on them watch out there's carnies there's carnivals there's circuses the whole thing can be delightful or terrifying and sometimes oh, i turn both which is sort of the yeah. demi monde appeal of a carnival
0: I yes guess. yeah what is that like classic one the cover is orange i actually bought it in powell's oh geek love time. yes man
1: yeah
0: i read the whole book but i'm not sure i'm the same person since then <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't come out the other side of the tent the same person you don't, really don't. and in, in a nice little bit of um contrapasso here someone who's writing usually has written for adults writing for young adults mm. taniasi coates oh. the beautiful struggle a memoir about growing up in the 1980s in inner city baltimore with challenges on the streets as well as within his own family, especially the struggle for harmony between himself and his father. Delacorte, spring 2021. That is going to be a big deal.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, You said that one's YA?
1: YA. Nonfiction. It's Coast's own story. Interesting to hear him talk about why make that YA, because it also could imagine it being an adult title.
0: Yeah. Um, Also, like this is the sound of a million teachers preparing to add this to their syllabus. I mean,
1: seriously, what a wonderful point. Yeah, it's going to be... You know, maybe maybe that's part of it is mm-hmm. making sure that it doesn't get um, cordoned off from yeah. the or, kinds of readers who could most benefit from it, seeing that story. I possibly. wouldn't
0: be surprised to hear that a deal like this originated with Coates or Coates's agent or a smart publisher saying like, hey, you need to write something for the kids.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those are my big deals. That's All Ishiguro. Right. Um, that's um, John Meacham's John Lewis biography. That's um, Lauren Grush's The Sixth the Biographical Narrative of the Women in Competition to Be the First Female Astronaut. Bethany Morrow's Cheris which is the Get Out My sister's mm-hmm. Serial Killer blend. Um, that's Erica Sanchez's memoir called Crying in the Bathroom. <laughs> <'Cause we're laughs> crying already. Uh, that is Jason Reynolds' debut adult novel, The Mouthless God and Jesus Number Two. And Taniasi Coates' YA nonfiction. A Y.A. Memoir, which is inherently nonfiction, The Beautiful Struggle, growing up in the 80s. Rebecca mm. Shinsky. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> Pick one. Oh, this is mean.
1: Talk, talk, it, out. talk okay. it out. Talk it well, out. Talk it out. Well, I mean,
0: I'm excited about Ishiguro, but but like, I'm always excited about Ishiguro. I'm going to read ah. that. It's going to be good.
1: So that's that's almost like uh, RSTL and e on, in uh, Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, Court. it totally put that on the is. board. Yeah, okay, gotcha.
0: A new Shiguru novel, like it's a given. He's so reliable. It will. I will read it. I will like it. The end. Mm-hmm. I don't read many biographies, and I'm really interested in the in John Meacham as the biographer of John yeah. Lewis. Like, I just mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions about that. I think it could be really interesting. Um, definitely going to read that. So like crossing into genre that I don't normally read. Mm. Um to do that. I think I'm most excited though about Cherish Farah. Like I mm. the Get Out and Parasite are the exact flavor of scary that I like and I loved my sister The Serial Killer so and I. this sounds like you know psychologically scary and not like super gory um, yeah. which works for me and just also really fun. So I think I'm going there. I think right. I'm going there, but I am also really looking forward to listening to Erica Sanchez on audio. So I, yeah. if I have to like pick okay, one, fair. like these are big deals for reasons, right? That's right.
1: That's <laughs> that they're right. They're all probably the be... most difficult category, frankly. <laughs> S- Even the ones yeah. bespoke chosen just for us. I mean, like, aren't this difficult? Because some of these are just more. fun.
0: When than... <laughs> you got through the first two, and the first two were Ishiguro and the John Lewis biography, I was like, <laughs> "Well, I'm screwed now." <laughs> yeah, I should
1: I should have called that category "Murderer's Row" of. Uh, uh
0: yeah but i think if i have to just take one i'm going with cherish vera
1: all right sounds good okay where do you want to go next
0: Ooh, let's uh let's get nerdy and do a history of x in n things
1: okay um ironically i think the only category that has only one entry <laughs> in it
0: <laughs> perfect <laughs> at least i don't have to make any hard choices this yeah time
1: around. um I think I saw a couple of these as, as they blew past me and I didn't pick them up for whatever reason. But this one, this one I actually will read. It. And the, this is the nice thing about this kind of book is it will stretch my even my even my interest level has some barriers to it. And the history of X and N things my interest in that category will supersede my interest in actually the category mm. of things that the end is of, but a member. And so this <laughs> one is um, da, 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 a dozen dresses that changed the modern world. Oh. A history of iconic, innovative, and influential dresses, illuminating both the unique times in which they were first worn and their lasting fashion legacies. I don't care about fashion necessarily, but a cultural history of dresses using the specificity of that in culture and history. I will listen to this. Um, Kimberly Chrisman Campbell is the author. It's coming from St. Martin's at some point. So that's my one pick for mm. A History of X and N Things. What do you think about that
0: one? I will look forward to you giving me the highlights.
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't, that's not, I mean, this is a subset of, uh, uh, Jeff picks, but yeah. I thought that was a pretty good one that and, also, and, good, and shows it, what the power of this genre that's to me true. Is, I will read a one about that. It's
0: dresses. true. And it seems like it could be like if it had you know, like, full-color like full shots of the dresses and, like, some of the, you know, other stuff I would maybe be more interested. I don't know. That's if it. you
1: really wanted to embarrass me, what you would say right now is, hey, Jeff, <laughs> guess some of the dresses that'll be on there. Oh! can do I it now, because I got in front of that bullet. But would? I, you know, um, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, we'd be in front of that bullet together, because I am okay, also yeah, not fair. qualified yeah, to guess yeah. about world-changing dresses. Um, I, I will... No, I, yeah. I have no idea,
1: no idea i would guess like the chanel's little black dress like the audrey hepburn sort of classic Mm -hmm. one
0: like that Mm -hmm.
1: beyond that uh, i'm out (laughs) i'm out there's 11 to go
0: (laughs) right just the concept of the little black dress yeah
1: maybe anyway okay yeah that's history of x and n things so we're done with that one let's do a quick break um and uh, do a sponsor and come back and do some more okay all right. Where do you want to go now? I want
0: to be selfish for a minute and go to just yeah, for Rebecca. It.
1: Let's <laughs> just for Rebecca. Now, I should, the caveats here is I'm not sure you're going to read all of these, um, but I thought you at least want to know they existed. Is okay. that fair? Is that's not that too totally low of a bar, fair. is it? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, the first one up Alana Veramontes Albertson's Ramon and Julieta. <laughs> An own voices contemporary romance pitched as Latinx crazy rich Asians meets You've Got Mail, (laughs) in which two star-crossed lovers meet on the Day of the Dead, realize they are children of bitter rivals. When a wealthy businessman shows up to take over a star chef's award-winning sea-to-table taco shop. Oh my God!
0: (laughs) What do you think? that's so perfect also i've never heard sea to table before i know right
1: i guess it's not you can't farm to table i mean they're sea farms but come on sea to table <laughs> taco shop I, I i i copy and paste it as soon as i got to the next crazy rich asians meets you, you've got mail that's all i needed all the other fun pinata worth of stuff tumbling out of that towards the end of the description was just bonus oh
0: man okay. i do feel very known and understood <laughs>
1: Now, do you do you think you'll try reading that? Or is that just interesting to know about? Because I could go both ways, Ooh, right? I'm I not could sure go about both
0: you. ways on it also. Um, maybe paperback or vacation. Yeah. Like it yeah. probably isn't something... That's what I, I was thinking. Would, yeah, it yeah. probably isn't something I would pick up like on release day. But it is the kind of thing that I would like to read on a plane or which like to me doesn't like, that's not a knock at all. There's just like, I right. want to be absorbed in something fun when I'm on a plane. Um, and I really hope that gets an adaptation. I want to watch this.
1: Sounds great. It really sounds great. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go with one. Th- I think you probably will read. I mean, this is shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> Sarah McLean's new hell's bell series, mm-hmm. a quartet following a Victorian girl gang. Yeah. Hell bent on smashing the patriarchy in all corners of London. From Glittering Ballrooms to Dark Alleys to Avon, Major Deal, four-book series, coming next summer. I know it's going to be in your suitcases, assuming we're... Oh, God, love us all. (laughs) I hope we're traveling next summer. If we are, I would guess the first in this series will be in your backpack. Am I correct? I think that's
0: a very safe assumption.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Easiest one on my board for just for Rebecca. Um, This is up there. This is Jessica Weisberg's The Wild Sisters, Mm. telling the story of the 1860s Texan housewives who founded the most successful women's commune in American (laughs) history, coming from Simon & Schuster sometime in fall 2021. Jessica Weisberg's The Wild Sisters. Oh, yes. That's nonfiction, I should say. These are Mm -hmm. sort of getting blended up. Last one. This, you know, sometimes you like a little how-to, a little Uh self-help. I don't know. Um, this also maybe could have gone into shared wheelhouses, a little borderline. So maybe transition okay. into one of those topics. But this is from author, illustrator, um, and author Tory Press's It's okay to use the tissues, an <laughs> illustrated guide to emotional self care practices in anxious times, including therapy, mindfulness, body movement, and more. <laughs> um, Tartar Peregrine at auction, coming January twenty twenty two. So I'm guessing sort of New Year's resolution is <laughs> kind right. of stuff. Little surprised that it's going to be that late, but Illustrator, you know, if it's going to be mm. very produced, um, might take a little bit longer. So that's, it's okay to use the tissues, which I think is just a wonderful title. That's and I a think great one of the title. things we, we both share a sort of a fundamental life belief, you know, yes. whatever that is metaphoring for, it's okay to use yes. the tissues. So I thought that it is okay like
0: to use that. I, this also sounds like a great vehicle for um, people <laughs> like me to sort of. Gently buy as a gift for others.
1: <laughs> That's exactly what I had. I think we might buy more copies. We may buy, if the over under and the number of times we read this is 0. 0.5, the number yeah. of over unders on the gifting is at least two and a half.
0: This is going to go into my kit of like, yes. oh, you're going through a rough phase of life. Here's your copy of Tiny Beautiful Things. And now yeah. you also get this.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's a nice little stack of uh, mm-hmm. books you can you can give um all right so those are my four picks for just for rebecca how'd i do okay
0: you did great i think ramon and Julieta is the winner Yeah. and i'm super stoked about the wild sisters because for a long time my girlfriends and i have said we're gonna like start a commune and call it the house of fallen women and i feel like we have a lot to learn from women who successfully did that in the 1860s
1: mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. um Let's transition. Look, if I if I may yeah. suggest we transition to shared wheelhouse, which is the largest category. Let's do it um, here. And these even have subheadings. Um, so, you know, maybe may, uh, here we go. I don't know what to tell you. This is what I did. This is who I am. See me, know me, and it's okay. To yep. use it's issues. So all right, to uh, get the weird. first one up is the. It's it's in the getting the band back together genre mm-hmm. um jamie brenner's blush following three generations of women during one summer as they fight to save their north fork family winery <laughs> and find surprising lessons in the rediscovered books yep by judith grants and jackie collins when they reignite the <laughs> grandmother's book club from oh years past.
0: <laughs> if that doesn't get a book or a movie deal
1: <laughs> i know right
0: <laughs> sounds great that does sound great
1: uh, that's, uh, movable, or oh, Putnam, sorry, uh, movable okay. type management is the, we're gonna have to move along here. Here we go. This is just, the, the, the tease here is gonna get you going. What if Gilead was real? Oh,
0: can I move African-American
1: there? study professor Daniel Black's Don't Cry For Me, a memoir about a father attempting to make amends with his estranged gay son through the letters he writes on oh. his deathbed. Exploring the Experience of Black Fatherhood, Generational Trauma in the American South, and the Power of Empathy and
0: Forgiveness. So I will read that, and then I will read It's Okay to Use the Tissues.
1: You can't tell me Don't Cry for Me and then write that as your blurb. That's not fair. That's setting me up for failure.
0: We can't even have like father-son relationship in a blurb without one of us starting to get teary (laughs) Doesn't that sound unbelievable? It does. That sounds really beautiful.
1: That's coming out from Hanover Square Press. No date. The name, okay. the name of the um, writer is Daniel Black. And Black, it's Don't Daniel Cry For Black. Me. Okay. Oof. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I used this metaphor before. I'll use it again here. If you have a great fastball, you throw the fastball. Andy Weir's Project Hail Mary, in which a lone astronaut <laughs> <laughs> awakens to find himself on a sheep. On a, sh- on a sheep. That would be interesting. On a ship deep in space. His crewmate's dead and his memory's missing. All he knows is that he alone must now complete a desperate last chance mission to save the Earth from disaster. It's like Andy Weir watched The Marsh and he's like, wow, Jason Bourne's in this movie. Hey, wait a minute. Just, what if ja- this was a Jason Bourne in space movie? I was, and I am not mad at it. I'm not mad I will mad read this. Either. Throw the fastball. Throw number one. Don't ask for number two, <laughs> Nuke Lelouch. Throw the heater.
0: I'm glad you made the Jason Bourne comparison because that was my first thought. Also, yeah. um, I didn't read whatever the one after the Martian Artemis. was. It was Artemis. fine. It yeah, was fine. That is yeah. what I heard about it, that it was fine. My, I think my floor for Andy Weir is still so high because yes, the Martian totally. was so good that I don't hate that he's going back to the well. No. Um, yeah, you know we'll why you go back to the well? Because there's water in the well. That's where the also, water is. If Jason Bourne could wake up on a sheep in deep space, I would also read that.
1: That would that would have gone under the say what now category. <laughs> that definitely would have made an appearance in the say what now category. Oh, right, we got to move along. Sorry. Uh, former diversity executive at Google and Disney, chief people officer of Vice Media Group, workplace strategist for Fortune 500 companies, and speaker Daisy Auger Dominguez's Inclusion Revolution, mm-hmm. bringing two decades of her award-winning expertise to offer the essential guide to dismantling race, in, racial inequality in the workplace— helping employees at any level from entry level to CEO to align their companies with their stated values and make lasting change going to seal press.
0: There's not enough
1: in the professional development work and business book about this kind of work. Mm -hmm. This is someone who's done it at the highest level. Like it's kind of, if you got um, Rachel Scott doing radical candor about management, this is that person has that experience single, that kind of experience about inclusion and racial equity in the corporate workplace, I will be reading this. I've looked very much look forward to this. I assume you would find this very mm-hmm. interesting as an idea. I
0: too. do okay. from a not so uh, not so far in the past Googling of like, just trying to see if there were books yep, about this, right. or right. good, you know, like best practices with actual, like tips beyond concepts mm-hmm. in them. And it's incredibly difficult to find. So yeah, I'm very excited to read about this from the person who knows it best
1: i would say there's a mini trend to not to the level of the ones i mentioned at the top of the show of more marginalized voices coming into the business productivity you know finance leadership management that that seems to be something that's actually happening yeah um also one of the things i could be wanting it and looking for it and noticing it Mm -hmm. but i I feel like it's a real thing Mm -hmm. because if you go to from zero to one it's a big deal and for a lot you know there's so it's it's like the widest of all genres i think um, Jess, with one of our, our, our sales managers, and I were talking about this too. Um, if you're going to do a book club about sort of business books, it's going to be you're got to you're going to have to make sure you do the work to make sure it's not all yeah. one kind of person that Agreed. you're reading. This is topically coming out of our shared admiration for Watchmen and our interest in the Tulsa Race Massacre oh, of 1921. Okay. This young adult nonfiction, Brandy Colbert, who wrote Little oh, Lion, who's a mm-hmm. really wonderful young author, is writing a young adult nonfiction book. Um, it's untitled this point about the Tulsa Race Massacre. Great. 1921. Really glad to see that happening. Going to be fall 2021. So pretty quick. Yeah, in good uh, hands it could. It could, yeah, very good hands. Also could have come out, I was like, why not do it now? But a, 1921, 2021, mm. that's 100 years, Rebecca Shinskey. Yep. It turns out we like those kinds of anniversaries Smart. there. Um, what is this? Oh, this is Scratching Maybe That Our Souls at Night Itch. Oh,
0: um,
1: This is Beth Mary Beth Keane's The Half Moon which looks at the end of a marriage without taking sides, how the work we do defines us and the resilience of our most private hopes through the story of a man who owns a small town bar and is struggling financially and emotionally after his lawyer wife leaves him uh, at Scribner. You, we like these stories mm-hmm. of long relationships and the pleasures and pressures uh, that come along with them. So I think that is uh, yes. very much in a shared wheelhouse. There. That's Mary Beth Keane, his author, and it's called The Half Moon, which has That'll, to be the name of the bar.
0: That's oh yeah, I'm just That's
1: guessing here. Great
0: that yeah, that'll give Lily Tuck some company on my bookshelf. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. This is sort of in the. I think this is this might go into the um, educated adjacent cult. You like a mm-hmm. book about a cult? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, but I put it here. It's memoir. Shane McRae's "Pulling the Chariot Out of the Sun," which is also oh. a wonderful title. I don't yes. know what it means a memoir of his childhood as a mixed-race person who was kidnapped and raised by his white supremacist grandparents. Oh, boy. A story that is emblematic of how white America dominates black America uh, to Penguin Press in a preempt. That sounds unbelievably interesting. Yeah. And I'm so sorry that happened to you, but I am very, thank you very for writing the book. interested in thank you for writing the book. Shane McRae pulling the chariot out of his son.
0: My eyebrows went like all the way up my head while you were (laughs) reading that description.
1: This is one of those, the next one is one of those books I'm not sure either of us will read, but we do like book world tea spilling and messiness is my (laughs) subcategory
0: for this (laughs) one. Yes.
1: (laughs) Book critic, essayist, and frequent contributor to the Los Angeles Times and LA Review of Books, Erica Schickles, The Big Hurt, this is a memoir. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wait for it. About a young woman growing up unsupervised in 1970s New York in the shadow of culturally elite parents whose seduction by a boarding school teacher gets her (laughs) kicked out and sets her on a course to live a muted, understated life until an explosive affair with a famous novelist threatens to ruin everything. That is a memoir. (gasps) Description repetitions. It
0: is a memoir. Will we overcome our personal discomfort about people who have relationships with teachers or mentors? (laughs) To read it, who knows?
1: Who knows? Who knows? But this will be talked about. Yes. Unless that famous novelist is actually named, the speculation will be rampant. I will be not doing it publicly on this podcast, but you and I will be DMing the crap (laughs) out of guessing. (laughs) What we're talking about. Here.
0: When is that one coming out? So I can just, you know, <laughs> make sure to save some time for all the texting.
1: I don't know. It doesn't say here. It doesn't, okay. say. It
0: doesn't Wow. Say. I'm Pechette. gonna actually I'm gonna read the crap out Are of it. Are you
1: free? Okay, yes. I'll let you go first. <laughs> Once more into the breach of ethics uh, <laughs> on that particular one. Uh last one, we both like food writing. hmm Um and that's where the you know, that's it. We both like food writing. I see Endolin's Trapped in Dining Out, a narrative that uses the arena of restaurants to address systemic racism in American food, beverage, and dining culture and seeks to raise the profile of black figures in the restaurant cool. industry. Sounds really interesting. Yes. Really interesting. So, all right, Rebecca, we've <laughs> gone through our shared wheelhouse.
0: <laughs> this is so mean. <laughs> it's great. This it's... is the best. This
1: is good audio. This is a good podcast. <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm, de- I'm. We're gonna go with what I'm definitely going to read. Okay, I will okay. definitely read "Don't Cry for Me" by Daniel mm-hmm. Black. I'm definitely going to read "Inclusion Revolution." Yeah, I'm definitely going to read "Half Moon,"
1: mm-hmm.
0: and "Pulling the Chariot Out of the Sun." I and thought big, that, might be, I I thought <laughs> that is, might be your number one pick.
1: I thought that might be your number one pulling the chariot oh, out of the
0: sun. Probably it. Mm
1: kidnapped and raised by his white supremacist co-grandparents Rebecca I Shinsky I know
0: I know yeah. they okay. all sound so good we, our wheelhouse yeah, is, is a such one. a nice place Jeff
1: it's a good one we don't see the things we don't have to do this it's just for torture
0: that's the only reason I do this oh man
1: no. mm-hmm <laughs> Anyway, okay. Well, <laughs> moving on. Before you make me do that, where do you the, want to go next?
0: No, but I should have made you do that. Too late. Uh, too
1: late. We're moving on. We're in the next segment. No takebacks.
0: <laughs> let's go to. Let's go to just for Jeff. I'm curious about just what you for Jeff.
1: Okay. I'll blow through these. How to cook everything. Author Mark Bitman his longtime collaborator mm-hmm. Carrie Conan's Bitman bread. All the things I make out of How to Cook Everything is bread already. I will take all the Bitman bread. Adaptable whole grain, no need sourdough for every day with a size that illuminate their working relationships. Oh, my little heart. <laughs> and easy homemade bread that can be just as good as from the bakery. I will be getting that for sure. Love a Bitman um, cookbook. Author of Bibliophile and founder of Ideal Bookshelf, Jane Mount, and founder of Spines and Vines and Diverse Spines, Jane Jemmese Harper's Bibliophile, colon, Diverse Spines, a book lover's guide to BIPOC authors and marginalized stories, helping readers diversify their reading lists and discover new stories illustrated by Jane Mount. I've interviewed Jane Mount before. I thought Bibliify was a very really, really cool project. It did have a glaring problem, which is, I think, clearly something Jane has been thinking about here. I think it'll mm-hmm. be a really great um, book lover's book gift, and I hope it flies <coughs> off the shelves. Yes. Um, author of the librarian of Auschwitz, Antonio Iturbe's The Prince of the Skies, I'm smiling already, based on a true story, about the extraordinary life and mysterious death of Antoine de Saint Exupéry, <laughs> poet, aristocrat, pilot, and hero, and author of the classic *Little Prince*. To so yep. Laura Goodwin at Holt, I've talked to you offline about mm-hmm. um, the story that could have been, should have been annotated. I'm glad someone else did a full-length book, so I don't have to worry about doing Wonderful. it, and I get just to read about it. Sarah Faye's Pathological Colon, a parentheses punctuated memoir. This could go and <laughs> Say White Now, but I was too <laughs> interested just to merely put in Say White Now, which traces 25 years of her life during which she was diagnosed with seven different illnesses drawing upon the history of punctuation to illuminate how doctors could have diagnosed her with seven different, often cl- conflicting mental illnesses. Wow. I feel like I'm, I don't know what to do with my eye hands, my <laughs> brain hands about that, but I'm interested. It's yeah. here. I don't know what else to say.
0: It's shared wheelhouse until the like frame of the punctuation N- stops. Punctuation. That's, I yeah, still that's don't, get the I don't get it. say what now But that's, that sounds it. really interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, this is very specific. Um, Robin Kelly's new book, who's mostly an academic writer. He, he writes more accessible stuff, but largely has been an academic writer. His new book, he wrote a biography of Thel- Thelonious Monk that was really great. Hmm. His new book coming out is called Black Bodies Swinging, an American Postmortem, uh, a historical and political opto- autopsy of the fallen, exhuming the long, violent history of racial capitalism and black <sighs> resistance to a system that devalues, destroys, and extracts wealth from black lives. Um, and arguing that this is the generation of the third reconstruction, which is mm. a very evocative and interesting idea. Of. Kelly mm-hmm. is a wonderful, multi-disciplinary writer, an unusual thinker. This, if nothing else, will be fascinating. Um, you know, you won't see anyone else think about issues that a lot of people think are thinking about, like Robin Kelly yeah. thinks about them. Um, next one up: Amanda Oliver's *A Light*, the American Public Library. Uh, Facing the epidemics of poverty, homelessness, addiction, police violence, and racism that often intersect in these beloved but idealized and misunderstood institutions by drawing on their history. The author's six years of professional librarian in Washington, D.C., as well as interviews and research ultimately asking the question, what is the future of the American library? So many of the things Susan Orlean did not write about in her book, Mm. which is nominally like a history ode to the American library, about how the library is asked to do so much more now than it ever was intended to do, that they have funding for, they have training for about dealing with homelessness, addiction, Uh, You know, all all the all the social ills, a lot of them end up at the doorsteps of nurses and at the doorstep of librarians. And I'm so glad to see someone write. I don't know if it was intentionally written as sort of a fill in the missing pieces of that kind of a book. But I'm thrilled um, that this that this book is being done. One of the few titles on here that I think would make a really good interview segment for this show. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try to get Amanda Oliver on to talk about there. Um, Let's see. Adam Moss is editing. He, uh, former editor-in-chief of the New York Magazine, a highly visual collection of documents, marked up, manuscripts, architectural blueprints, painting sketches, storyboards, context sheets, fashion designs that reveal the far- false starts, mistakes, and roads not taking of artistic creations that eventually became significant. Ooh, uh, you interesting. know I love this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, really interested to see there. And the last one, Rebecca Roenhorst, who I talked about in the, in the yeah. fall preview, she's switching genres again to mystery A mystery based on the true story of the state of Sequoia becoming the 46th state of America in 1905. True story. Unifying five branches around the area we know as Oklahoma until a murder and theft of a train filled with gold threatens the fledgling movement. Hmm. That sounds fantastic. Spring 2021. That's my rapid fire. If you ask me to pick the one, I for sure will be reading there. It is The Prince of the Skies. Do not ask me. I already know that one. After there, I think race... Race to the Sun, mm-hmm. or oh, I'm sorry, um, Tread of Angels, which is Rebecca Rowanhorse's book. After that, probably Robin Kelly's, the next big book. That one I will read, but it might be sitting around me needing to steal myself um, to get to that mm-hmm. one there. Those are mine, just for All me. Right. Those sound like me, probably? They do,
0: they do sound like you. Yes, yeah. lots of book-specific, booky stuff. Yeah, yeah. Books- the specific. Big Book of Booky Stuff by Jeff the O'Neill.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> a history of X in seven The bu- <laughs> history of books in 10 books.
0: Yeah.
1: There we go. Uh, where do you want to go? We've got COVID, BLM, say what now? Do we have anything else? Let's do
0: a- uh, Black Lives Matter and the movement.
1: Again, really fascinating stuff. Um, where do we want to start here? Uh, here we go. Journalists Michael Cotman, Curtis Bunn, Nicole, Nicholas Charles, Patrice Gaines, Keith Harrison, and Karen Robinson Jacobs. So a collective book, which mm-hmm. I think is appropriate, that's called Say Their Names, How Black Lives Matter Came to Matter in America, revealing the hidden forces leading up to the protests in summer 2020, detailing the retreat of the black church, the role of the movement for black lives, and the way that black women, especially, especially and mostly operating under the radar have been leading the charge, giving readers both the story of the movement that shook a nation as well as insights into the very long road ahead. That's coming from Grand Central, publication Fall 2021. Um, There are going to be a lot of books about this one. This seems Mm -hmm. like as good and as important of a place to start. Um, Pulitzer Prize-winning editorial cartoonist Darren Bell's The Talk, a graphic memoir written as a personal meditation on The Talk, Black parents must have with their own children about racism and brutality that often accompanies it. Um, again, sounds like necessary and important mm-hmm. and fascinating work. Um, this one, could have gone and shared wheelhouses. Nobel Peace, Peace Prize winning politician. Not too many of those people with that mm-hmm. credential on this list. Kirsty Dunnan's systemic exclusion, fighting patriarchy and privilege in science, pitched as the moment of lift meets hidden figures yep. sharing the inspiring stories of women scientists who overcame delivered exclusion discrimination and justice to become pioneers and trailblazers that's um kirstie dunnan and uh the title is systemic exclusion
0: you know that's going to be thorough
1: <laughs> yeah um the last one wait i guess i'm, I'm going too fast because i'm mindful mm. of time but the last one i actually put first on the list, um, Rafael Sofaluque and um, Opoyemi oh. Sofoluque's Twice as Hard, mm. Navigating Black Stereotypes and Creating Space for Success. This could have gone into the business book Shared Wheelhouse 2, Exposing the Obstacles that Limit Opportunity for Black Professional Progress, How to Challenge Racial Stereotypes and Be Productive, Find Purpose, and Ultimately Design a Successful Career, Exploring a brand of personal ethics, challenges, and lessons, inviting other contributors to share their experiences and the practical measures they've taken to realize their goals, too. So um, I think that's written especially for black people in the professional world, mm-hmm. but would be a wonderful read and smart for people who are considering themselves um, allies in the professional context yeah. to take a look at that, too. So I really, I mean, you know, there, it's, it's about Black Lives Matter and the movement itself, but I think I wanted to highlight, too, the range of ways this mm-hmm. is going. So it's a systemic problem, and it's going to need to happen in the workplace. It's going to need to happen in the sciences. It's going to need to happen in different mediums. And then you're going to need the top-level historical accounts of what we're going through and what black people are trying to do and arguing for and experiencing right now. So those are my kind of five picks. Pretty good range, I think, yeah, we're going to see, at least if that's re- representative. I hope that it is representative. The kind, and those are not all of them, I should say. I didn't. The, there are more um, that are related, but these are the ones that I thought, I don't know, caught my eye as, as being indicative um, and especially interesting going forward there, too.
0: Yeah, that's a really nice range, and I hope that it represents publishing and society at large moving Mm -hmm. out of the space of just needing books that are like racism it's a thing and into more you know specific more specific looks at all these varied like vectors Mm -hmm. in which systemic racism and systemic exclusion great title by the way um Mm -hmm. are are realized we're not just going to pick one from that category we should all read all of them (laughs) yeah yeah
1: if I might intervene on the programming and say say what now for the end and that's what and I was gonna COVID say too. Now, yeah. <laughs> yeah um think. again, it's gonna end come. Like we're gonna way. get I hope we get a whole bunch more Black Lives Matters, the movement related topics for significant mm-hmm. money and high profile. I know for sure that we're going to be reading and writing and seeing books about COVID, the pandemic, twenty twenty for the rest of our lives. It's just getting spun up, I think. The first wave of books that take some perspective, effort, time, research are going to start coming out. Um, and I don't know which of the—I I guess I'll say this—I don't know which of them I'm really going to be interested in reading till I have a little better sense of them. Like maybe actually till I hold them in my hands and read a little mm. bit. Because I'm not going to read all these. I can't read 50 books about COVID next year. There are going to be 50 books about COVID. It
0: feels too soon. Like we're still in it. Yeah. I'm having a hard time even considering reading about this right now. Right. Other than like well, I Zadie think, Smith I think some, forever.
1: Well, let me start there, because I think that's a way into it. Um, critic Charles Finch's What Just Happened, mm. a consideration of how politics, culture, and daily life have changed during the pandemic. Knopf. I think okay. Charles Finch is a different writer than Zadie Smith, but I think a critic writing about, you know, framing it as this has just happened right now from a different perspective might scratch that same itch. I can see mm-hmm. that one as being a little earlier. Um that's going to, co- Regan Arthur bought that book for Knopf in one of her first, or, you know, probably her first COVID acquisition yeah. in that chair over at Knopf that she now um, occupies that Sunny Meta once did. I think that's, that is a chance to be something I would actually read. Um, here's another, you know, we're going to get so many different angles, just like we get so many different World War II angles. I didn't start thinking about all the different ways you're going to be able to tell the same kind of story from different perspectives. Here's one. I like stories about doctors. I like stories about medicines. This is mm-hmm. a narrative New York Times reporter Emma Goldberg's account of NYU and Columbia medical students who graduated early, often taking the Hippocratic oath on Zoom, and were immediately plunged into working with critically ill COVID patients in Bellevue and other NYC hospitals. Mm. I mean, that's, yep. that's going to be an amazing story to read, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I...
0: That's That'll an unbelievable be, take. Yeah, that like Atul Gawande wheelhouse we have together. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's like the urgency with ER, but real, right? Like the kind of energy mm-hmm. you got out of those early seasons of ER. Like you can totally see how that's a thing that's going to happen. I um, mean, the next two, like, there's a whole bunch, but these these are so these are from people who I trust to do a good job for various reasons you'll hear about in a minute. Author of the New York Times bestseller, The Great Influenza, which is about, like, it's kind of the, mm-hmm. it's the, the big popular history people are citing right now about the Spanish flu of 1918. The Next Wave, COVID-19 in the World from John Barry, a book with a broad sweep which incorporates history, science, and politics in a narrative that covers not only the events in the United States, but also around the world over the last century. You want John Barry writing about COVID? I'll you read do. that probably. That's, yep. a, that's, that's a contender for me. Um, I feel like I'll read of,
0: that in like 2035.
1: Well, that, that's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Could we give John <laughs> Barry a couple more years? But I don't know. That's me. Um, also, authors of All the Devils Are Here and co-author of The Smartest Guys in the Room, which is about mm-hmm. Enron, mm-hmm. Bethany mm-hmm. McLean and Bloomberg Opinion calls Joe Nocera's untitled take on the U.S. response to the coronavirus epidemic, a narrative revealing the forces that rendered critical American institutions ill-equipped to cope and the economic consequences of that failure. I've, I said before, that's the book I want. I'm going to want something about the vaccine, but yeah. I also want this on-the-ground reporting and writing about Enron and um, uh, that book, All the Devils Here are really awesome. Those are the kind of names I want looking at this and mm-hmm. the kind of investigative reporter, but writing for a popular audience. These are serious people writing about a serious topic, and I, and I trust them to do it well and tell them things I'm going to want to ultimately to know. Now, do I want to read it right away? I don't know, but I'm glad this book is going to exist. So those are just four. There's some others that, and there's going to be more. Like there's going to be so many compelling oh, takes that yeah. I'm going to have to marshal them out over time. I'm not actually sure my appetite is going to be for reading about COVID. I, I just don't know. I'm not, I, I feel like I'm going to want to know more but when and how. Yeah, I, I just don't my,
0: know. That feels like a really far off horizon for me and i i was thinking recently about like somebody mentioned to me like when are we going to start seeing this in books and i was like well i mean it's it's gonna pop up in books soon and like we'll probably see novels in Mm -hmm. late 2021 that have covid storylines in them but i feel like it took it took like a decade for fiction to get its head around 9-11 and it took another decade for fiction to get its head around the financial crash of 2008 and like i'm Mm -hmm. gonna i think the the novelists are going to need some time to process yeah. this and turn it into and turn it into art instead of just raw pain. Mm-hmm. Um, the nonfiction stuff, it just feels like how can the book come out when the thing is not over yet?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why the, the, the sort of <laughs> yeah. slice of life of the medical stu- school. Yeah. Thought that was a very yes. compelling way to, to handle on it. Cause you're not mm-hmm. trying to handle the whole thing. Right. Um, okay.
0: All right. Let's end on some, what? <laughs>
1: Say What? <laughs> Some of these, I th- some the Say What Now, I, some of them I'm just like, wow. Some of them I'm interested in a, in a way I didn't understand before. We could start every Say What Now w- segment with an Andrew Schaefer book. His new <laughs> one is Secret Santa, a horror <laughs> comedy novel about a book editor in 1980s New York City who hopes to find the next Stephen King but ends up in a horror story of her own after <laughs> someone gives her a cursed object at the annual office Christmas party. <laughs> sounds like an Andrew, Schaefer, Andrew mm-hmm. Schaefer book coming out from Quirk Books. It sounds like a Quirk Book. So, in a way, it's not that surprising, but still, it just sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like a good sounds time. Like a of Here we go. Winner of RuPaul's Drag Race and star <laughs> of the HBO show We're Here, Bob the Drag Queen's Harriet Tubman live in concert. Oh, boy. <laughs> a fictional autobiography of the abolitionist hero in which she, Harriet Tubman, has one night to perform perform her life story for an audience, <laughs> mixing hip-hop, history, and storytelling for a wholly original American tale, wow! I am interested. I would never like my Mad Lib generator could not come up with this. Wow! I, that's an unbelievable pitch. I feel, I, and I have to say, I'm in. I'm fast. Yeah, I want to see
0: what this is. I'm in. I feel like the that GIF of Jesse from Save by the Bell going. I'm so excited. I'm so scared.
1: <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> uh, okay, I promised it. Witches, and I had to. I had a lot of contender for a say what now for witches, but here we go. Um, Arlie Wallace's In the Company of Witches, the first in a cozy, cozy mystery series featuring a young witch who runs a B&B with <laughs> her aunts, but when a guest is murdered, must use all of her skills, both magical and mundane, to solve crime.
0: <laughs> Perfect.
1: <laughs> Solving a witch crime in a B&B.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unbelievable stuff.
0: Yep. Murder, she wrote, but with witches. Um,
1: Great. Oh wait, we didn't do How Boring is Too Boring. We'll end with How Boring is Too Boring. I skipped right over it. Uh, but anyway, here we go. Um, Je- Jenna Rose's Nethercots. I mean, what a name. Thistlefoot. <laughs> now, when I read this, it's going to sound like I misspoke, but I didn't.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Okay, here we go. The story of siblings who, after inheriting a mysterious sentient house on chicken legs, (laughs) are forced to embark on a journey across America as the house is stalked by a dark force bearing secrets (laughs) of century-old ancestral violence from Eastern Europe.
0: (laughs) I need this to be a graphic novel. (laughs) Chicken leg. Sentient house, okay. Sure. Chicken leg. Why not? House has got to get around somehow, Jeff.
1: Last one for Say What Now. Bette Midler's The Tale of the Mandarin Duck, A Modern Fable. With photographs by Machiko Kakutani. (laughs) Inspired by the duck that appeared in Central Park in 2018... A fable that imagines the duck with the magical effect of rousing onlookers to make personal connections with one, and over, one another over a shared experience, which has never been more valid than in this world of, self of self-isolation and social distancing.
0: Oh my, what?
1: So a children's book about a duck by Bette Lindler with photographs by Machiku Kakutani. You can't make up Just, reality, Rebecca Shinsky. You cannot how, do it.
0: How? I mean, the, like, behind, how did this, how? How? <laughs>
1: Okay, so the last one will go one by one, and you'll tell me, Jeff, yes, indeed, that is too boring for you to read. Okay? Perfect. Here we go. Journalist Sandblock, Shade, an urgent exploration of an underappreciated natural resource with a fundamental place in the history of human civilization. Shade. <laughs> history of shade.
0: <laughs> too boring, Jeff. Too
1: boring. Okay, I wondered about that. Um, Bill shoots bite a journey through the natural medical and cultural science and history of teeth into it. You're into that one. I feel like where's Mary Roach on that one. Yeah, like, Was mm-hmm. that a discarded Mary Roach idea? I think I it might've been. That, it's too interesting. Here we go. Cause I can't even, I can't start <laughs> Hannah Carlson's the pocket book, the surprising history of the lowly pocket and the history and impact it's had on language <laughs> and law. Are you dead? That's I made. this is true. I didn't make any of that.
0: I mean, if pockets have had an impact on law, I would like to know.
1: <laughs> like, literally, there's nothing in a pocket.
0: That's a great title, though.
1: It is a great title. How about this? Um, the Axe, the, a personal, historical, and character-driven ed- investigation of the changing role and meanings of the axe. <laughs> That's too boring. By, by Johnny Diamond, who's the editor-in-chief of LitHub. Sorry, Johnny. Okay. Um, Jennifer Kingston's llama drama, a deep dive into our obsession with llamas and alpacas.
0: There's no way that's too boring.
1: Okay, okay, fine, fine. I, that's why I'm not. I have a question. I don't know for sure. <laughs> Last one. Microbiologist and science journalist Brian Nelson's. The Treasure in Wasteland, about human feces, examining the life-saving promise and potential we overlook in the world's mundane resources, and the mindset shifts we must quickly adopt to survive in this messy, gassy planet. That, I did not make that up. That is actual prose that they Mm -hmm. put on their own work.
0: (laughs) That feels like the discarded Mary Roach of the bunch. I'm into that. You're into
1: Treasures in Wasteland.
0: I think so. You could... You can glean probably very many enjoyably uncomfortable hey-did-you-knows.
1: Yeah. So you're saying that <laughs> a, a below the line <laughs> is shade, the history of shade, history of pockets in, in the axe. Mm-hmm. And then... Above the line is <laughs> poop. teeth, poop, and llamas.
0: <laughs> well, it's a good thing I'm not dating and I don't have to put that in my profile.
1: <laughs> what are the last what are the what are, what are the what are the topics of the last 3 books you read? I think actually shade te- shade teeth and pockets do better for you uh, than 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 poop llama.
0: Teeth and, and llama. Oh. <laughs> the llama meridian is real though.
1: <laughs> that that's right. Between two L's. <laughs>
0: That's a good note to end on because I'm, that's it. I'm I mean, broken that's now. <laughs> so
1: I think that's it, Rebecca. Let's not wait so long. Let's do it because I only got May through. I've got other things I could have talked to you yeah. about. So we'll do another one in January, These uh, are doing really September, fun. October, and November. These are always a good time. Thank you for being a good sport and <laughs> indulging in my uh, gamesmanship and yeah. giving a hard time. You
0: got it. <laughs>